today is we're going to be talking about guarding your heart. Guarding your heart with all diligence. And this we all need to do. I'm reminded of that scripture verse in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. When he says that we need to work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. You need to work out your salvation. You've got a work to do after you've got saved. You've got a work to do. And a few weeks ago, as you know, I started talking about guarding our hearts. This is something you can do, that you must do. There is the eye gate. You need to watch what's going through your eyes. Because it goes into your mind, and from your mind it goes into your heart. There's the ear gate. You need to be watchful what you hear. Because it goes through the ears into your mind, and then it resonates in your heart. And if it's the wrong things that comes into your heart, it festers there. It becomes like a cockroach nest. Who knows what's a cockroach nest? It loves to live in the dark. And it comes out. It doesn't come out in the light, it comes out in the dark. In the darkest moments of your life, when you are shaken, what's going to come out of you? Those are the things that you have allowed into your life. If you are. So a few weeks ago, I was praying, and as you know, we go in this uh, church through the books verse by verse, and uh, in a few weeks' time, we're going to start maybe in the letters of Peter. And I say maybe because the Lord can change that. Uh, I was looking at Ephesians, I'm looking at a few books, and I'm asking the Lord to give me direction. What does God want me to preach and you need to hear that. I don't want to just preach to you just because preaching is preaching. We all must grow. Amen. We must grow. And uh, now, a few weeks ago, the Lord laid upon my heart to talk about this verse here. Guard your heart with all diligence, or out of it springs the issues of life. And to remember when I unpack this verse, and I'm going to do it again for repetition, it is always good as a child of God when things are repeated to you. And the older I get, I'm still young, praise the Lord, but the older I get, I find it the more times I get things repeated, the, more, the better I remember. Yes. That's only me, it doesn't have to be you, okay? But uh, you remember when I unpacked this for you, and, and, and we said that word God there is, we, we, we need to maintain things which were entrusted to us. And what did God entrust to you and me? A new heart. He gave us a new heart. He did some heart surgery on us. We were cut by the heart. He took out that selfish heart out of yours. Now you might say to me, preacher, it doesn't feel like as if he's taking out my heart and heart, but he's still working on you. He's still working on you. You are working on you. But, but we've got a new heart. And this verse means that God has entrusted into you a new heart. And now it depends on you what you do with that heart. Am I going to be saved? Am I going to be in heaven when I'm born again? Of course you are. We've dealt with that last month. We've dealt with that in the letters of John. But now you need to be careful what you build on this. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about all of the things that you can build on this foundation. And one day you're going to stand before God. You are going to stand before Him. And you can't call your pastor, you can't call your church, you can't call your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your children. You are going to face him alone. And then he's going to say, what have you built? 
What have you done all this life that you've been a child of mine? What have you done with all of that grace that I've been giving you? What have you done with all of those sermons that you've heard? What have you done with it? And how much of it have you obeyed? Or did you just walk out there and say, Man, that was a great service today. Man, I'm feeling so blessed. I come here to be blessed. If you come here to be blessed, you're in the wrong place. I want to be frank with you. You come here to work. I come here every Sunday morning to work on you. And to work on myself. I preach the words of God so it may change your life. Amen. Sometimes you're going to hear things which you don't like. But I'm not here to preach things that you like. I preach things that you need to hear. Because it's the things that you must hear that will change your life. Amen. And today is one of those typical. I mean, we're going to talk today about anxiety. We're going to talk about that. And it, and it touches everybody in this room. You can sit here pridefully and say, man, I am about anxiety. But one time in your life, he did touch you and he will still touch you. But those are the things that we need to work on. This is why he writes down there, Paul, he says, we, we need to work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. And this is what we do. We guard our heart with all diligence. He gave us a new heart. And that with diligence there is meticulously. You need to become so meticulous in your Christian walk that you do not allow anything in that you don't stop it and discipline your mind and your heart against. You must do that. It could be even your friends. It could be even that favorite person you listen to. You need to taste every single word. The Bible says you need to taste even my spirit. You need to taste. You need to be a Berean. You need to protect this heart that God has given you because out of it comes the issues of life. So many people are in situations in their lives because of their own doing. And then they blame others. So I say that one more time. So many people today are unhappy in the places they are, but it's because of their own decisions that they've made yesterday, last week, and the year before. And now that they are in that difficult place, they're starting to look to blame others. Instead of turning around and saying, Lord, search my heart. <coughs> so once He searches your heart, He brings you to a point of conviction. And once he brings you to that point of conviction, you've got one of two things to do. You can harden your heart and walk away, or you can humble yourself and submit to him. I suggest to you strongly that you do the second one. Come to him. Let his word change you. But guard your heart with all diligence. For now it comes to issues of life. People talk about relationships, they say, I just can't understand why people can't stay friendly with me. And I've said it to you before, I said to a man one time in New Zealand, maybe you should smile a little bit more and look a little bit more friendly. That is so true, isn't it? We always look outwards. It's easy to look outwards. And we play the blame game instead of looking inwards. It's difficult, it's hard, it's confronting. And today is one of those confronting messages again, but we're all in for this. So, I want to talk to you about anxiety. And we need to guard our heart against anxiety. And I want you to open up, if you've got your Bible here, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And by the way, 
there is so much to talk about this. I mean, we can spend the next six months about this topic alone. And there's so many scripture verses. And even when I'm going to preach to you today, teach you today about this topic, you might go in your mind to other scripture verses and say, but preacher, you could have used this scripture verse. Praise the Lord that the Holy Spirit's already working in your heart. If He brings up scripture verses in you, that's a good place to be. But these are the ones which I believe the Lord has laid upon my heart to talk about today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And I'm well aware that I'm taking a verse out of context, or not out of context, but I'm just using one verse and not in the whole chapter. But Paul writes to these people, he says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. And you know what, brothers and sisters, dear friends, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever you want to be called, I can stop now, close the Bible and go out. The Word of God has been read. You can live on this verse for the next month. Unpack it. Learn about it. Ask the Lord, what does He mean by this? He says, be anxious for nothing. But I love it when he comes down here and he says, the peace of God. Everybody say, peace of God. Peace of God. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will do what? It will guard your hearts and your minds. We are talking about guarding your hearts. What is the peace of God? And where do you find the peace of God? There's only one place. There's only one place. His name is Jesus. That is the name. He's the only one that's going to give you peace in your life right now. If you've got a terminous mind, if you've got trouble in your life, if you've got insecurities in your life, and all of these things causes anxiousness in your life, the only place where you're going to find the answer is not with this man, it's not with this church, you can go through YouTube, there is, there is, if it's not millions of preachers there, you will not find it in one of those except Jesus Christ that you crucified. He was walking with his disciples one day and he turned to them and he says, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. And listen, what did he say next? Not the peace of this world. You see, you run into anxiety and who are you going to see? You see the people of the world. You go to the psychologists. You go to the doctor. And the doctor gives you this little tablet. And he says, you just take this little tablet and you do all right. And you take the tablet. And guess what happens? You're all right. That's true. You feel good. You feel a little bit better. But then the tablet runs out. And the effect of the tablet runs out. And what happens again? You need to go and see that same doctor. And you need to go and see the same psychologist. Now, listen to me this morning. I've got nothing against doctors. I'm not preaching out against them. That's not that sermon today. I've got nothing against psychologists today. I mean, you can have your own little thing with them. What I want to say to you this morning, if you want to come to the peace of God, that kind of peace, not the peace that disappears when trouble comes in, the peace that surpasses all understanding, you will find it in one place only, and that is Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Yes. Have you met him? Yes. 
Who have you heard about? You see, this is it. And people can't get that. They say, why is it that you're smiling always in times of trouble? Why is it that nobody knows that you're going through trouble because you don't show it in your body? Why are you like that? But I'm certainly not like that preacher. I know that is maybe because that relationship is something wrong with you. Now you've got to work it out in your life. I don't know your life, but remember, I don't know you personally, but he does. He knows you when you're allowed to have it. He says, this will guard your hearts and your minds. And now you remember this from last week, our little man there, this is you and me, that's the body, and within the body there's a soul, and the soul is our self-conscious life, it's the seed of our personality, it is our intellect, it's our emotions, that's who you are. That yellow one out there, that's who you are. You are just living in this thing, I mean this jacket, this green jacket that I've got on here, it's a beautiful jacket, isn't it? Is it a beautiful jacket? Yeah. If you look at this jacket, at the moment ago it was all alive, but now it's just dead. Yeah? yeah? It's dead. I mean, I mean, come on, Jacket, stand up. <laughs> Where are you are? We were singing songs just now, and what did the jacket do? The jacket was all over the place. Did you see the jacket? But now it's there. And now we need to have a miracle to get this jacket moved, isn't it? And we're preaching from one of those places. You see, this here, this here is like this jacket. Okay? And if you can see my body as the soul, it lives inside of the jacket. But praise the Lord, once you start putting something into this jacket, what happens? What does happen? A miracle happens. Praise the Lord, a miracle! <laughs> Look, the jacket is moving. And this is you. You are the jacket on the outside. It's a beautiful jacket, but you know I'm going to stand in the wind out there for over a year with this jacket and it's going to lose its color. Mm -hmm. And it's going to tear a little bit and your fabric's going to go down. This is your body. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask me. You know, I've got a short shoulder, you know my troubles with my neck I had. And you've got similar things. We are all not classy young jackets out in Malawi. I look in the mirror this morning and I thought, whoa, this jacket's gone a little bit older. But that's it. That's us on the outside, you see. And this is the soul. The really us is the soul. It is the emotions that evolve. And then we've got the Spirit of God, praise the Lord. And it enables us to know and to communicate and to speak with God. But within that lives a heart. And it's the heart that controls the soul. And the content of the heart controls the soul. And this is what we need to protect. This is what we need to protect. Now let me give you a definition of anxiety. We're talking about anxiety today. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, of worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. You can see people's faces turning red. People that with anxiety usually have a recurring in intrusive thoughts and concerns. Anxiety starts over here in that mind of yours. It's having conversations which never takes place. You are talking on three or four people's behalf. Then he's going to say that. Then I'm going to say that. And then when they say that, then I'm going to say this. Is it coming here or is it you? But why do they say this? I need, I need to be prepared. Then I'm going to say this. And they're going to give me a piece of their mind, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And they're going to text me, and I'm going to text them. 
And they're going to step on my toe, and man, you don't step on, I'm going to step on your toe. And then you turn up, and what do they do? <laughs> Hello. So I'm to see you. And they have that conversation in a good place. That's us. That's all of us. Will you love it or not? But this is what it is. It affects people so much. It comes to the point that it takes over your old characteristic. It takes away your joy. It, and we're going to go deeper into that. And we're going to really unpack it like last week. We're going to go really down to the bone. I'm not a psychologist, but I've read up a, a lot about this anxiety. Why? Because I'm an anxious person as well. No. You're the pastor. Pastors don't get anxious. Of course they do. We are human. I'm an anxious person. I want to understand what causes this. How do I deal with this? Where do I go to when this happens? And we find this in Philippians 4 verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. Isn't it wonderful when the Greek is so telling to us, we read it in English and we understand the word anxiousness and I just told you a little bit about anxiousness. But when we open up in the Greek, it comes from the word Mermanau. Mermanau. And this means, it comes from a, a root word marizo. Marizo means to divide or to pull things in different directions. That's what it means. That word that he uses there. And it's not used a lot in the Bible, by the way. I think it's just 16 times that he uses this Greek word. But I'm going to go to a few of those. But if you think about what the word says, it is so true. Because our hopes pull us into one direction, but our fears pulls us into a different direction. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. And what happens? You're hoping to go there, and you feel this is going to happen, and there's this pulling away. It's pulling, it's pulling on everything. It torn you apart. And this is why some people, when I talk to them, when they come to me with trouble, they say to me, I'm feeling as if I'm torn apart. It feels as if I'm in the middle of a big fight. Who's been in the middle of a big fight? You've got two people on each side, and each person is telling you their side of the story, and they expect you to make a decision. Have you been there? Or is it only me? I mean, you become a pastor, you're always in the middle. <laughs> And here it is. You've got this hopes. You've got these things that is going. And, and then there's this fears and it, and it pulls you. But I want to go to the Latin word as well today, okay? We're learning a lot of languages. The Latin word for anxiousness comes from the word ansios, which is the same meaning as anger. This means angry. Well, you know, that's where anger comes from as well. You know, anxiousness can lead so quickly to anger. But I won't go into that one today. Now this was in Latin, anxious in Latin means to strangle, to strangle something. Isn't that what anxiousness and bodies do? It strangles the life out of you. The life out of you. It feels that you can't live anymore. You, you, you come to a point where you say to people, these problems are so much for me, I'm so anxious, I'm so worried that I can't, it feels as if I can't breathe. And there are certain people who literally can't breathe because of the worries in their lives. This becomes a physical thing. So this is what, this is the word that Paul is using here. He says, he says, be anxious, be merimanao for nothing. Don't let things pull you apart. But it's easy for you to say this, Paul, isn't it? 
You can say to us, you don't know your lifestyle, Paul. You don't know what we're going through, Paul. But he does. And we're going to see that. You know, somebody did a survey and they say on average a person's anxiety is focused on 40% of things that will never happen. That's right, isn't it? 40% of things that people worry about. 40% of things this man worry about sometimes never happen. I can tell you out of experience. I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at me. I'm 50 and 4 years old and praise the Lord I'm still young. Some people say, oh, he's a street chicken right now. It doesn't matter. So praise the Lord. I was 50 and 4 years old this day. But I can tell you out of experience that there's so many things, 40% of the things that I've worried about in my life never happened. Never. And this is the thing. They never happened, but you thought they were going to happen. 30% of things about the past that can't be changed. That's what people worry about. <coughs> they, they still live in the past. Yes. It's still things that people did to them 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Things that they did and still feel guilty about 20 years ago. This is why. This is why the things you find at the cross of Christ when you put confess of those things and He takes away the guilt. Yes. But there are people who are still living in the past. 12% of things about criticism by others. That's what people worry about. Oh, she said that of me. It is so terrible. I wonder what they think about me. And most of the things is untrue, which they said, isn't it? Because who knows the truth? You do. Now, I always say to people, if somebody says something about you and it is true, then you've got something to work on. Isn't it right? Yeah. And who's going to know whether it's true or not? Only you. Somebody comes to you and says something, and you go, oh, that's true. Don't give it away. <laughs> go to Christ. Go to Christ. Go on your knees and say, Lord, that's what that person said. It hurt me so much. It angers me so much. But it's true, Lord. Next time when they say, I don't want to come into the same emotions anymore. The only place that you're going to get victory over that, believe you me, is Jesus Christ. Because if you come to Him and you give it to Him, and He gives you the healing in your heart, and He strengthens you through the Holy Spirit, next time that person comes around and they say the very same things to you, there's going to be a different reaction inside of you. Why? Because now you know it's no longer the truth. Why is it no longer the truth? Because you've given it to Christ. And you've learned from it. 10% people is focused on their health, which gets worse with stress. Now I get it and I understand and I've spoken to people over my life, young people don't worry about this. Young people don't worry about their health, it's the older you get. The older you get, people go, well, what if this happened? What if? And then they read something. They read about a man who was a very healthy person, and then he went to the doctor with a small pain in his side, and the doctor get him, and they say, it's a cancer, you've got a week to live. And you know how much that fear of people, very healthy people? They go, what if it happens to me? And you know, those worries that comes upon people makes them sick. It makes their bodies accepted for all kinds of diseases and things. I'm sounding like a doctor now. But that is just true. 10% is that, and then 8% is about real problems that will be faced. This is a really interesting thing, and I thought I'd share it to you. Somebody said the following words. They said, you cannot change the past. 
that you ruin the perfect good present by worrying about the future. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, it's for you if you want to write it down. If you want to take a photo, well, why is that important? Tomorrow if you start worrying, open this up. You need to first open up scriptures, yes? But open this up and say, Lord, I'm going to enjoy today. Because the day of today is the day that the Lord has given you. Yesterday is gone. You can do nothing about it. Tomorrow is not there for you yet. Tomorrow, tomorrow may never come. But today is today. And guess what? For the next 20 minutes you're sitting in church, you might as well enjoy it. You might as well enjoy church right now. I want to brought your attention away from the beaches now, from the warm swimming pool right now. And you need to sit in church. Now is the moment for you. Amen? Amen. But I like this one as well. What is like a wrong chair? It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is all of us. I can spirit it. When I read this, I said, oh Lord, it is so true. There was, you know, that day and I was worrying for the whole morning and it was like a rocking chair just going like this. What if, 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 what if. And what happened? You didn't go anywhere. You stayed in the same place. But let's go a little bit deeper, brothers and sisters, this morning. You see, anxiety will and do come to all of us at times. And there's two views in the Bible about anxiety. There's a healthy concern and there's a worry and a fret. A fret. Who knows what a fret means? That is a worry. But there's a healthy one. Anxiety is inside of us. This is what God made of us. If God didn't make us to be anxious, we wouldn't become anxious. So this is why it becomes really important to understand anxiety now. Sometimes you are anxious about something which is actually a good anxiousness. But then there is the worry, the fret one. And I'm going to unpack those two for you just now. The first one is a healthy concern. Listen to Paul when he writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 19. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded, now listen to this now, who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Is this our day? Is this our day? This is our day we're living in. Now look at Paul. He says, I can find no one like-minded like Paul and like Timothy who will sincerely care for your state. That word care there is the word Berenir. That is your word. That is your word anxiety. He says, there is no one as anxious as me, Paul, and as Timothy for your state. And that's a good, healthy anxiousness. This is what Paul's bringing out here. It is more for the church. It's not a personal anxiousness. It's not about his own life. It's for others. He's looking out for the care of others. He writes later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28. He says, beside the other things, what comes to me upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. And guess what word is there for concern? It's the same word for care. It's the same word for being not anxious. It's our word, merimano. I'm just going to use it like that. Is that okay? It's the same word. So this is a healthy one. 
He says, I care for the church. I mean, we pray every time we come here on a Sunday, we pray for the persecuted church, don't we? I do. I do. I hope you do. But I've got a concern for the persecuted church Christians. I do. We're going to get uh, uh, people coming to talk to you about the persecuted church soon. They will come here soon. But I've got a concern for them. I've got a concern for my brothers and sisters who are being beaten up. Now I'm anxious for that, but it's not an anxiousness which is going to give me help scares or is going to pull me apart. I pray, Lord, protect them. I care for them. I'm anxious for their well-being. This is the same that he had. And brothers and sisters, sometimes you have that for your children. You have that for your children. I have. I'm telling you what, when you get children one day, you will be a parent until the day you die, whether they go out of the house or not. Every single day. Doesn't matter whether they are married. My children are here in the room here today. But I'll tell you what becomes a more concern for me, and, and it's not an anxiousness which gives me, you know, which pulls me apart, which gives me, you know, sickness or anything. But wait until you start getting grandchildren. <laughs> No, I've given them. You know, the, the first thing people will say is give them to the Lord and don't worry. No, that's not what it is. We give them to the Lord, but we are still concerned for them. I'm not, I'm not going to take my perfectly, my perfectly well little children and throw them in the world and say the Lord will look after them. But some parents do. Some parents do. They say we are Christians, God will look after us. They just throw your children into the world and see what happens to them. Is, is that you? No, we do have concerns. We have this miramano. We have this, this anxiousness about your children going into the world. And God perfectly understands that. Now, you shouldn't lay awake every night about your children. That is where the trust comes in. You raise them in God's ways. And then you trust that God will lift them one day. Will they walk away from God? Most certainly some of them will walk away from God for a time. But I stand on the Word of God that if we raise them and we give them the Word of God, they will have to find Christ for themselves yes. and come find Him for them. And this is it. There is a healthy concern. And, and we need to have a healthy concern. I have a healthy concern for you coming into this place. I say to you every single time, my sister coming here, she's new. Sister coming here, you are new here today. This week, this next two weeks, I'm praying for both of you more than for everybody in this church. Why do I do that? Why do I say that to embrace you today? No. I want to know, Father, if you send people through this door, why did you send them here, Lord? Why did you send these people here? Father, is there something that I need to learn from them, or is there something they need to learn from us? Is there a concern in their lives that I need to be concerned about and pray for? Are you doing the same? That's what he called us for. There's a healthy concern, but then there's also not a healthy concern. There's a worry and there's a fret. And this is what Jesus was referring to in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22. He says, Now he who receives seed amongst the thorns is he who hears the word. We all know the parables, don't we? We know the parable of the sower who went out and he sowed the seed and some fell on the wayside and some fell on in the thorns and some on the rocky uh, areas and some on the good soil. But this one here, he, he, he says it straightforward. He says there are some people where the seed will fall amongst the thorns. Now the thorns grow and the weed grow. And the seed come out. 
But as these thorns grow with them, he compared it to the cares of the world. He says, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This word here for cares, what do you think this word is? It's our word marijuana. It's our word anxiousness. He says, there are some people who sitting in church, but they hear the word of God. It comes into their ears, and they take it into their minds. But there's all of the worries of the world. And it chokes away the good seed, the good fruit. And it pulls your life apart. That's not the good and healthy anxiousness. And guess what happens in your life? It makes you unfruitful. I know Christians, loving people, but they are not fruitful. And when they start talking, they only talk about the cares of the world. That's all. Listen to conversation, brothers and sisters. It's only the cares of the world. It's only their problems they're going through. It's only the issues they've got. And then I turn to a man like Job, and there is Job sitting. And he's, he's got boils in him, and he's itching, and he scratches, and the blood comes out. And you look at the pitiful Job that's sitting there, and his wife comes to him, and, and she says, Job, man, just, just curse God, just curse God. And, and what does he say? He says, no, I can't curse God. And then, and here's the wonderful thing about Job. When he started praying and looking for his, his, his friends, his, his situation changed. Yeah. This is it. He says the cares of the world, the anxieties of the world. In Luke chapter 21 verse 34 he says, But take heed to yourself, lest you hear the weight and be weighted down with fighting and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come unexpectedly. So this cares here of life, what do you think that word is? It is again a word, Miramara. It's anxiousness. And see now with what he compares anxiousness with. Have you noticed in that verse? He compares anxiousness with partying. You know what a partying is? Is anyone in this place partying in their life? He compares it with partying and with what? With drunkenness. And here we're sitting in church, prim and proper, and we say, Yeah, look at all of those drunkards out there. Man, we are so better than them. But dear, life is so hard, and I'm so worried about all the cares of life. He, he, puts them, he puts them on the same level. Wow, that tells us a lot about anxiousness, isn't it? Anxiousness, worry, fret. And he says, That is what happens. And, and by doing this, he says it is weighing you down. Have you noticed this? He uses the word, he says, all of these things, your worries in life is going to put a weight on you. And, and this is, I love this illustration. It's a beautiful illustration. I can see a man which is he's packing on and, and a woman just packing on this weight of worrying. And what happens? You're getting tired as you go forward and you get tired. And where do you go? You go to your knees. It's the best place you can be. Yes? Because it's on your knees that you pour out upon him and say, Lord, I can't go in for your hands. Now this is so wonderful. Now let's look at a few causes for anxiety. First of all, threats causes anxiety. Threats. You, you see, this is um, people whose life and their well-beings are threatened. 
the way of life, how we live today, we work ourselves back into a comfortable position, and then something happens that threatens that. COVID is a classic example of that. It threatens so many people's well-being, and they start worrying about every single day. It is, it is, it produces unstable environments in people's lives. Uh, the thought of separation, that is something that causes anxiety in people's lives. The, the thought of change, I need to change something, go to a new city, change the lifestyle, or even illness. It makes people feel out of control, and all of these threats causes anxiousness. It doesn't cause the good anxiousness, it causes the worrying anxiousness. The second one is conflicts. Conflicts in, in people causes anxiety. And there's three types of reactions that you have. First, you get the approach approach. Now, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I, I read this and I thought this is really good and we should know about this. You get the approach approach environment and we've all been there. Somebody invites you, you get an invitation for a dinner at Mark's place. And then I'm getting an invitation of a dinner at the same night on Saturday night at Ben's place. And I'm sitting here in the middle and I want to go to both and it causes me anxiety. Which one am I going to say no to? Which one am I going to say yes to? That's the approach approach one. Go please. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not anxious anymore. <laughs> but that is what it is. And people get anxious about it. You know, two job offers. You apply for jobs and there's two job offers coming in. And people are sitting there and literally getting anxious about this. There's anxiety and worries. Am I going to make the right decision or not? And then you get the approach of void. And this, I'm going to bring it back to your home just now. This is the desire to do something and not to do it. Is that you? Is that happening to you? It's happening to me. Sometimes you desire to do something, but you don't do it. What does this mean? Well, it means that you may see a brother or a sister doing something wrong. And the approach is to go over to them and to correct them or to talk to them about it. But then you don't do it because you want to keep the peace. That's what this is. And you know where I see it in families? Husband, wives, children. Parents see their children do something wrong and they, they feel they need to step in and say something, but they're so afraid to step in and say something because that can cause a disturbance in that relationship. Isn't that right? And we say nothing and we avoid it. That is the approach avoid situation that people go through. And it causes a lot of anxiousness inside of people. But then there's a third reaction, and that is avoid, avoid. It sounds like jumping off a ship before it goes down, isn't it? Avoid, avoid is having, having pain, but and you think it's going to get better, or you're having an operation and you think it's not going to work for you. And I can tell you now, this is why this really attracted my attention, and I want to share it with you. You know, last year I was with my neck in hospital. Uh, with the pinched nerve and, you know, C7, 6, 7 and 8 collapsed on each other in my neck. And I was there in terrible pain. And there I was lying there hoping and praying that it will get better. I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, I believe in a miracle. But the doctor came to me and said, we need to do the operation on you. And I asked the question which everybody should ask, will it be successful? What is the operation about? And then he said to me, well, I can never say to you whether it's going to be successful, but a lot of people went through that. And it worked for them. But in my mind, it didn't work for me. So I was in a void of void with this doctor. 
I go, maybe if you inject me more, the pain will go away and I will just get better. And he says to me, you are broken. It is broken. It's not going to get better. Except God gives you a miracle and praise God, He cuts me. Amen. I didn't, get the, I didn't get the operation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the pain is gone. Praise the Lord. But this is what that is all about. You know, it, it is a boy, it is, you know, you've got a teenager and, and they're doing something wrong, but you want to keep the peace so you avoid addressing the issue, but you also think that you're avoiding being a good parent. That is a point of why it causes a lot of anxiousness. Let's do two more. Fear. Fear causes anxiousness in people, isn't it? Fear. Little fear. The fear for failure. I'm going to be a failure. The fear of the future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The fear of rejection, of sickness, of death. Even a, a loss of job. That brings anxiousness upon people. And people feel they're out of control again. And those things control your mind. And then this one I, I found a lot doing counseling with people is unmet needs. Unmet needs. And this is a very really interesting one. Mm -hmm. You see, we all got basic human needs, don't we? That's how God made us. He made us with needs. And, and he, he put us next to each other to meet each other's needs. Now, not meeting them and meeting them cause anxiousness. What do you mean, preacher? It is so wonderful. Because you talk to people and they say to you, if I can only have all of the money in the world, Life will be better. So what is the need? The need is for money. So you give them all the money in the world and you meet their need. And they start anxious. Mm -hmm. And you go over to them and say, wait a minute. You said that if I give you all the money in the world, you would be okay, but why are you so anxious? Well, I'm not worried about my health. You see, there's another need. Now they are anxious about that need. Now if I go over to them and say, I've got the ability to give you good health until the day you die, maybe not die at all, but let's give you health until, you know, you grow 120 years old. Is that okay for you? Yes, I've got money and I've got health. And then you go over a week later and they're still anxious. And you say, what's going on now? I've met your needs. And now they say, what will happen to me after I die? They say, I know. You see, and this is what these people are so anxious about unmet needs. Within the relationships, there's unmet needs. So people getting anxious about them. Now, the effects of anxiety is really easy as well. There's a physical effect of anxiety upon people. People literally get sick. You get headaches, sleeplessness. Who knows sleeplessness? That's what the Bible talks about. Lying on one side and then lying on another side. And lying on one side and your mind can't shut down because he's having those conversations. Another effect is psychological effects. This harm relationships. That's when you become irritable because of the anxiety upon your life and you take it out on other people. It brings angry into your life. You're always an angry person. This is what I said before to that man in New Zealand. Maybe you should just smile a little bit more and not look so angry. Where is anger coming from? It's coming from inside. Guard your heart with all diligence. If you're not going to guard your heart against anxiety, it will go over into the next things. It will go over in irritation. It will go over in anger. It will go over into depression. 
and eventually it will go over into procrastination. The reason Sir Madam why they are not doing something is not because they don't want to do it. There's a cause for that. There's a root for what they are going through right now. You need to come to the root. Defensive reactions. People put up defensive reactions. They come to a point where they say, I don't care. I don't care what happens. But they do. They do. The reason why you're so quick on that is because of the anxiety. I don't worry. And what do a lot of people do? They go for alcohol and drugs. And I want to feel just to go on a trip to get me out of this for a short while. This is, this is the biggest problem of alcoholism. People getting angry, they're getting anxious, they're getting warm, and they want, and they want to release and they grab to the bottle, which is wrong. Let me give you one more, then we're going to come to a solution. Okay? I, I said to you it was going to be here. Another effect of anxiety is spiritual reaction. You see, some people turn to God, and that's what I highly recommend you. If you become anxious, turn to God, but other people turn away from God. You're dealing with people who say, God don't care, so I don't care. And, and they say, but you know, I've been praying for God and He's not answering me. Well, maybe you need a little more of an attitude adjustment towards God's how He works. And a little bit more knowledge about how God works. But this is reactions that happens in people's lives. So how do we deal with it after we've come through all that? Have we learned something already about anxiety? We've come to the Bible. Amen. We come back to what Paul said here in Philippians chapter 4. He says, be anxious for nothing. Be mere for nothing. Don't be pulled away. Don't be torn apart. Don't be strangled for nothing. But in everything, everybody say but. In everything by prayer and supplication, by thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is how we deal with anxiety in a Christian way. Look, brother, sister, you can go to the doctor if you want to. It's a free will. Nobody's going to force you not to go. But what I want to present to you today is the mighty physician. It's our doctor. It is he who is the only one that will bring you out of that dark pit of mighty clay and put your feet on a rock to stay. And that rock is Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, be anxious for nothing but come to God. That's what he says. If, if, you, want to, if you want to summarize that, he says, be anxious for nothing but come to God. Come to Him in such a way by prayer. You start praying to God. You see, the first thing that you need to be able to do when you come to God is you need to trust in God. You need to trust in God. People don't come to Him because they don't trust in Him. Why don't they trust in Him? Because they don't know Him. They don't know Him. I mean, if I drive with my car down the road here, and you are walking next to the road, you've never seen me before, and I, and I come next to you and I, and I, I want my tutor, pump my tutor there, and I jump up and I say, get in the car with me. Will you do that? No, because you don't trust me, you don't know me. But if you know me, and I, and I come up next to you and say, hey, Pastor, how are you doing? Yes, are you going to jump in or give you a lift? You trust me, you know who I am. But people don't come to me because they don't know me. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, who knows that? Trust in the Lord, and He will make your path smooth. 
Praise the Lord. Trust in that? Lord. Lord. Lean on? Lean But all of your ways. This is what we do. We say, I preach to our answers. I find everything in the book. Come to him. This is what Paul says. Paul had anxiety in his life. I'll show you a few about the church. But when I read about himself, they beat him with sticks, they did everything. In fact, that's the verse that I, that I gave you that he said, they, uh, daily I've got anxiety for the church. But before that, he was talking about how he was beaten and everything. He never worried about it. He never worried about it. And I know some of you is going to throw Matthew chapter 6, 33. Isn't it right? <laughs> Don't worry about the day of tomorrow because he needs himself to worry about his own thing. You won't get any hype if you worry about tomorrow. Isn't that what he says? But here Paul says, come to God. That's the message today. If you've got anxiety in your life, come to God. I can't say it more clearer than that. Paul can't say it more clearer than that. Peter can't say it more clearer than that. In fact, he says it this way. 1 Peter 5 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Peter is saying to you and me, if you've got anxiety, come to God. That's where you come to. He says, come to God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares. Everybody say that word. Guess which Greek word is using? Marijuana. He says, casting all of these things that put you apart upon whom? Upon Him who cares for you. Amen. Let's give the Lord hand in this place. I'm an anxious person as you are by nature an anxious person and I want to come to the root of that that's why I went down this this route I said God I want to understand why am I getting anxious and when I get anxious what do I do with that anxiety and you know after all of the verses after all of the books that I've read after all of the things that I've listened to there's only one and one answer alone come to God come to Jesus because once I come to Jesus, what happens? He gives me peace that surpasses all understanding. All understanding. But we trust in God. Secondly, we learn how to cope with anxiety. There's something that you and I need to do. We need to use the scriptures. I say it, I can't say it more often. And listen, take this advice from me, will you? This scripture is Psalm 34 verse 4. I saw the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Why don't you take this verse? If you're an anxious person, do what I do. I've done it before. Take this verse. Write it down on a piece of paper. Soon you're going to remember it. But why you can't? I said to you, I need to repeat a lot of things to myself. But write it on a piece of paper. Carry it with you in your wallet, in your pocket, in your wherever. And when you become in anxious, take the scriptures out. Yes. Amen. Read the scriptures. Say, so, Lord, I'm feeling so anxious right now. But you say in Psalm 34 verse 4, Sought the Lord and, and, and let me. Lord, I'm talking to you right now. Please, Lord, deliver me from my fears. And this what's going to happen. He's going to start delivering you. There are so many scripture verses in the Bible about anxiety. Take one of the Gideon Bibles. It's in there as well. Finally this morning, reach out to others. That's a good thing to do. So you come to God first. You pray. You give your supplications to God. You call upon His name. 
And, and once you do that, you learn how to cope with this. How do we learn to cope with things? I go to the Bible. I open up there in the back and I look at the word anxiety. I go to all those scripture verses. I underline them in my Bible. I read them. There is reference. I go to another scripture verse. And now he's talking about Abraham. And then I read, oh, what about Abraham? Now I study Abraham's life and see the effect that anxiety had upon Abraham's life, even to the point that he had to lie about his wife. Anxiety brings lies upon you. You do stuff which is out of your character when you are in this way. Now I, I study Abraham and I go, wow, this is the effect that he's got. Lord, this is maybe why the other day I told a lie. Did you, do you tell lies? Maybe that's why I told the lie. Yes, my sister, I'm, I'm open here. Everybody, I mean, I'm vulnerable before you, but we need to understand this is my, why do I, maybe I'm like Abraham. Why did Abraham that? It's because of anxiety. Lord, help me. But if you can understand it more and know God, guess what's going to happen? He is going to help you with that. And, and this is what we do. We reach also out to others. Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love this. I love this. I'm going through Galatians. But this year, we're going to get to that. Bear one another's burdens. I'm an army man. I was in the defense force. And in the defense force, you get a pack. Okay? And in that pack is everything that you can live in the field. Okay, full metal jacket, that's what they call it. Full metal jacket. You've got your rifle, you've got your thing, you've got your boots, you've got your pack, and that pack weighs a lot. And you need to carry your pack. But there comes a point in the army when they train us, okay? They don't teach us and tell us, but they train us to be able, and when a soldier next to you gets injured or hurt, that you need to be able to carry his pack. Now that puts double on you. But they strengthen you. This is why they run you to the ground, they pump your muscles, they make you strong, so that you'll be able to carry two people's packs in the end. So that you can, this is what it says, this is a military term that it says there. We need to carry one another's pack. Oh, but God, it's only about me. You're in the wrong place. It's about your brothers and sisters around you. And this is what we need to do. At 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, They will comfort each other, edify one another, just as you are also doing. So I'm reading this to you before I pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I can unpack this verse to you even bigger, but we will leave you there for today. And brothers and sisters, dear friends, if you do that, don't test me and don't test God. You can't test God. But trust God in this. If you do this, you will receive something which you haven't experienced before you have You will have that peace of God and that will suffice all your pain and that will help God. Amen. 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 Have you learned something today? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word today. And Lord, first of all, I want to put up my hand and say, Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me to come more to you, to trust more in you when these things come upon my life, Lord. And now I pray for everybody, Lord. We need you, Lord. We can't do anything without you. So I do want to pray, Lord, and ask you, Lord, to guide us, to strengthen us. And Father, to open up your minds and your hearts to understand these things so that when it happens to us, we can apply your word and your spirit in us will guide us with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.